Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Thursdays here. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, and you. Hope you're doing all right. And uh, dealing with the garbage weather outside. Plenty to talk uh, when it comes to Nebraska sports. Uh, excited to spend time here in about an hour with Garth Glissman. He is down in the SEC, former Husker. Get caught up with the adventures of G-Unit, uh, Brandon Vogel from Counter Reed. With us in about 20 minutes, we'll spend time with Gary Barnett, his thoughts on Glenn Thomas and uh, Nebraska, and then Danny Burke, Burke's best bet. So we'll get you set for the NFL weekend, 489-1240, 489-1240 to get in, 800-825-5865. can always participate via the stream. Real easy to subscribe. Just click subscribe, and there you have it with the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. can do that with the podcast as well with Hale Varsity Radio uh, the Spotify, iTunes, Google platforms present that audio for you. And the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. It is Roll Call, our starting five, our first five in. And uh, familiar names, we appreciate you. NU Grandpa says hello. Uh, Brandon Smith is checked in. Jeff Snitley in at three. Uh, Black Hills Brennan uh, in at four. And uh, Matthew checks in. Uh, in at number five. So uh, good on you. We will uh, check in. Uh, Yes, you have a six spot for Montana Husker. And uh, Brandon is checking in from Kansas. Anonymous checks in and and really kind of lays out what everyone's feeling right now when it comes to the world of Nebraska basketball. The annual kick to the privates provided by Nebraska basketball was especially harsh this time that's where we'll open that's where we'll go and i take no joy in sending out reminders to elijah's twitter handle at herbal essence about the steak and the beer last night that was a steal i was just well sure i'll take rutgers sure let it be known i didn't want to take no, I, I know, and then, and then I we're know, getting to the end of regulation i go Three points. Oh, it's feeling like a lock. I like they might not win it, but they're not going to lose by more than three. They got a two point lead with under a minute to go, and then you overtime. Thought, you thought the points were solid. Uh, you know, win or tie, you're uh, you're good, and and that's three in a row for you over me with steak and a beer. And I don't I don't have any joy picking against Nebraska. I felt like this because you and I were both kind of like you know Nebraska's shown. The ability to bounce back. 
all right, after some adversity. The difference here is they've shown the ability to bounce back at home, uh, aside from the K-State game earlier this year. Uh, Jawan Gary, I've said this a lot this season, when he's up, when he's playing, when he's energized, he is he's their barometer. He's their barometer. If he's locked in and playing well, you know, it's going to be a good night for Nebraska because of all the things he does, the rebounding, the scoring. He is good at getting to the rim defensively, obviously. He is such a uh, spectacular athlete. He's a headache for people. He's a tough guy. Nebraska has very few tough guys in that locker room when it comes to adversity. And, I mean, we're, we're beyond a trend here, Elijah, with Nebraska uh, I'm going to put Iowa to the side because Nebraska didn't get bullied by Iowa. They just got outshot. They didn't have any perimeter defense. But they got bullied by Minnesota, loss, when they led. They got bullied by Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a good basketball team. They're a two or a three or a four seed, right? A lot of teams are going to lose to Wisconsin. A lot of teams are going to get beat up by Wisconsin because they're so good inside and out. But Rutgers is different. Rutgers, by sure will and grit and fight is going to try and grind you down to a nub. They did that to Nebraska. And what's maddening for Nebraska fans is a a game you had in hand twice, being up by 12. Now, credit to Rutgers. They've never quit. They've always fought till the bitter end against name the opponent. I mean, they, they have put comebacks together to make things a little sweaty for other teams even teams hosting Rutgers. I mean, you got to love Peichel's fight and grit and, and that mentality his team has because they're not great shooters, but they're junkyard dogs that are going to fight and make you uncomfortable and and absolutely just overpower you. And, you know, Nebraska's been out of rhythm at times to, to get right with an offensive possession when momentum is shifted at point guard. Nebraska's been problematic when it comes to to being tough enough to handle rebounds in the paint and then there's there's a a propensity for and I'm going to say Tomanaga I know he has been the hero a lot at PBA but there's been moments during these moments of of adversity where Mo has flipped and wearing the other jersey where he takes it upon himself and at PBA he's made them Right, Indiana, Michigan State, and for sure uh, against Purdue, uh, you can't do it all the time. But there were just some some questionable shots, and it seems like he's always looking for a whistle, and and I get sick of that. And I I know he's got a flair for the game, and I appreciate his passion, but you know, talk junk to the crowd after a win, not in the middle of the game when. You know, you, you miss a 80-footer, and then you go foul a three-point shooter. Play smarter basketball because you're better than that. I'm singling him out specifically. And I honestly think, and I don't know this for a fact, but just from a rotational standpoint, there were some stretches of the game where Tominaga was, was watching. He was he was sitting. And and I think Fred probably gets a little pissed at, at some of the shot selection. And quite frankly, and I, and I like Fred's post game. I listened to him and Kent and Jake talk last night after the game. I, I it's okay to blame players. I know <laughs> Coach Izzo went off on it about two weeks ago, but Fred had some things probably drawn up that would have worked. 
and and they got comfortable and they quit doing what was working. They quit working to get some some better shots, and they just this team has a a ability to just settle, and then they wonder why they've choked away two of two of the four road losses. I, I only have one major complaint with Fred from last night, and that's that you're drawing up an alley oop play from a sideline. No, out of he was time expired. He, he wasn't. wasn't. No, no, absolutely not. That was like okay, we're we're out of timeouts, maybe. That was not the play. That was. That was just eh, screw it. Let's throw it up to the rim as like a third final hail mary option. Now Fred Fred went into detail on that where Tise didn't wait long enough to break away from rink screen, and the the inbounder uh, Jamarcus just said, "I'm going to throw it to the rim. I'm going to try and make the spectacular play." Terrible. No, and and that you know, and he, I mean, you can see in Fred's face like. I'd love unfiltered Fred away from the mic. I mean, so many- I mean like he he needed if if I were him and and I'm not a coach, I'm not good enough even to be uh you know in that same sentence, I would have screamed. Like your job as head coach and that staff, you know, the buck stops the buck stops with the coaches. I get it. But dude, th- there's there's only so much you can do. And and what your game plan was was working. And he's right to say you got to be tougher and have more heart. And this team, I, they are what they are. And from a matchup standpoint, there's just some teams they're not going to match up with in the Big Ten because they're not tough enough. Well, Rutgers was, was beatable, and I think the the play that encapsulated the entire game was you're down by two in overtime. Rutgers misses two at the line. You get killed on the You, you get, get killed. killed on the glass. They grabbed their 25th offensive rebound of the game from the free throw line. Five of those were probably re- offensive rebounds from the free throw line because no one's boxing out. And then you have to foul them down low. They get two more chances at the line, and they, they extend it to a four-point game. And it wasn't all she wrote, but it sure felt like it from a momentum standpoint because you had a chance to tie or take the lead with, I, I believe, just under a minute left. After they missed two at the line, you can't secure the offensive rebound. And, and I think that moment to a lot of Husker fans out there was like, this team is screwed without Juwan Gary. I said yesterday on the show that Nebraska was 2,000 feet from the peak of a 14,000-foot mountain. They fell, fell off a cliff last yeah, night. They the, fell down. And we're, we're unsure. The, the climbing party has been lost, and, and it doesn't look good for them. That's, that's as simple as it Let's is. Let's pray and, they're found, but it turns, it, and turns, it turns into the movie alive. Well, I, I think the only way they can be found is if Juwan Gary's injury that we saw last night which doesn't look looks good. like an Achilles looks Just like an Achilles absolutely to a lot goes of people. speculation here. from a lot of people that have experienced that injury and from what we saw him being in tears headed back to the locker room non-contact looks like an Achilles if Jawan Gary is done for the year I really really doubt that this team has the physicality to survive for another two months in the Big Ten I totally agree uh, they'll they'll fight they'll regroup they'll reassess and Nebraska had Bandamel and Gary go down last year and they played their best basketball despite not having those two guys. But so it, it took them about a month and a half following those injuries to finally reel it back in and figure out what made them good. Right. Well, they, they've been through it before is what I'm saying. So hopefully they can right the ship against Northwestern if you're a Nebraska fan. But it, it's just inconceivable where you, you've just got a bad mix of – and listen, I know Rink had a tough night offensively, and I know Rink touched the ball when he should have let it go out of bounds – but the point is this. You went nine and a half minutes with with one made field goal. Uh, Rutgers amped up their intensity, their physicality, and their pressure down that stretch, and you had no response because you got, you got guys handling the ball that aren't true point guards. Problem. Uh, you've got 
a guy you have you have guys that just take shots either because they're open and hey I've hit him before or I, I want to be the hero and, and maybe that's too easy of a take but that sure as hell feels like that's what I'm watching caught up with the pride of Fairbury Dolman and I are in a corner booth in a bar watching this thing and in one side of it we're can't believe what we can believe but it's hard to watch what we're seeing the other side of it here is just to listen and observe all the Nebraska fans in this packed bar like losing their mind and I totally get it with you where you can't believe that you're you're playing this poorly against this team Rutgers isn't good all right. And we, we've said, you know, Friday's your your second favorite F word. Uh, we've, we've uttered that before. Well, uh, another dirty F word is fraud. And, and a week removed from beating Purdue, that's what you look like when you face adversity on the road right now. I'm going to say this team's too good or should be able with all their experience and their talent to step up and weather this against a Rutgers tough environment yes a team that's nine and one now at home after beating you but they hit some threes that they just pulled out I mean they they hit 11 threes (laughs) what'd they do they went 16 of 30 from the free throw line that that is Awful. It's like they had a cigarette and a blindfold we, from the line. We talked line. about yesterday, they're what, 65% from the line on the season? No. They were gifted because you did not physically have enough to turn them away on the glass I mean, or didn't want to. It feels like a basic, a basic fundamental of basketball. Whenever the shot goes up, you're on defense, you get a body on a body. Nebraska doesn't get a body on a body. Skin. And even when they do, you get pushed under the rim. Right. Because they're looking for a call. And and it's it's real simple, man. Flying the Big Ten, either fight or die, right? And and what are you going to do moving forward? I mean, right now, all this team is is a team that lives by the three and dies by the three. That's what they are right now because they don't have the physicality rebounding. They don't have the physicality to fit. They just don't feel like they have the heart. And, and you've seen it before this season. I see heart with with Rank, and he can't do it himself, One guy. brother. I, I mean, know. Jawan Gary had a lot of heart this sure. year. You lose him. Hoiberg has some heart, but he he's, I mean, from 10 to 15 minutes a game, how much heart does he actually provide off the bench? Like, you need a starting five that has heart. And right now, Nebraska has one guy with, with the loss of Jawan Gary, unsure how long he's going to be out for. And that, that just does not fly in the Big Ten. It's going to be up to Alec to, to really – spend some some monster minutes i love his intensity i need him to keep his feet a little more guys always falling down but his his heart and his physicality is in the right place like just take some better shots when it gets to crunch crunch time you know there were some moments too where nebraska built their lead and and you know rutgers kind of answered before the end of the half but i mean they ran a couple of plays that got bryce to the free throw line and he had a couple of big response shots it's going to be an up and down ebb and flow Moments will get tight in the Big Ten on the road. But Nebraska's, maybe they're not better, but they've, they've looked, they've had moments this season where, all right, if it translates, you're a better basketball team. You should get out of Dodge with a win. All they needed, brother, was one rebound. Mm-hmm. One rebound in the final three minutes. One possession where you don't turn it over. One possession where you, you just make, make a, make a easier said than done with, with Rutgers rim protectors. But get to the rim, get fouled. Make leave leave no doubt. Like leave no doubt. Getting to the rim and get a foul. Don't go go in there expecting contact and then short arming your shot. You're seeing a lot of that. Uh, do we have a little bit of Fred? We can sneak in or no? Uh, we won't be running out of time. Okay, yeah. Brandon Vogel will check in. He'll have a thought 
uh, Nebraska's offense moving forward. It's just, it's just. I mean, I don't want to be completely down and out on this team because we were pretty down and out on them following that Minnesota loss. And what do they do? They reel off two of their more impressive wins of the season against Michigan State and Kansas State. So it all comes down to, to response. But at this point in this season, as we kind of talked about yesterday, like you got to stop the roller coaster ride. You got to figure out what you are. And if you're just a good team at home, you're not a good basketball team. That's fair. Now, do they, and, you know, just listening to Fred last night talk and, you know, try and blink calmness into his answer. <laughs> he uh, said, like, we got to learn from me. They've had enough lessons right now. The next time they go on the road, is it Ohio State? Is it Illinois? I got to double check the schedule, but probably Penn State. But uh, th- Maryland is our next uh, away game. Yeah, Maryland's starting to get hot, but who's hot and who's not can change by the day in the Big Ten. Great to be with you on Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in with Counter Reed, Brandon Vogel. He's in his football abode. Uh, apparently, Glenn Thomas is uh, in the stream. He wants to check in. Uh, Tiger Shark Diver says, hello, I'm going to coach quarterbacks. Really good story with Counter Reed and Brandon Vogel on Glenn Thomas. Vogues, I'm going to start with basketball real quick and get your uh, take on the state of Big Red basketball. Does it feel like the uh, the season's over? Uh, Jawan Gary's a monster piece of success, but more so with or without him, uh, Nebraska's struggled on the road. Did you believe what you saw last night in the overtime loss, or did you feel like, all right, I've seen this movie again and again with Nebraska basketball this season on the road, so uh, I know where this is going? Oh, I definitely, I definitely believed it. Um, I, <laughs> it felt, it felt more than, felt more like a documentary than uh, a, a, a fictional story. Uh, unfortunately, if you're, if you're a Nebraska fan, given that we've already seen them blow a, a double-digit second-half lead on the road in the Big Ten this season, um, you know, <laughs> that we talked about it. I think last week on the show uh that purdue win like as as amazing and fun as that was like i was just kind of naturally skeptical about it because nebraska shot so well but i kind of bought in and i wrote last week that i kind of bought in that i think this team like at that point you've got to win over the number one team their shot quality stats are good okay they're not they're not perfect they've got a thin margin here but that that looks like an ncaa tournament team after back-to-back losses on the road, I think we have a truer reading of where they are. And look, if you can win at home, if you can beat anybody at home, I guess literally based on what we've seen, uh, when things are in your favor and you've got a strong crowd behind you, great. That's that's a step step ahead from where this program has been. If you can't win on the road, what's that? You're a bubble team. And, and and that might be that might be what we're looking at here. I mean, the Gary piece of it is huge, um, but they've got to find a way to 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 win some of these games on the road to to show that you know it wouldn't be like if if that's all it was this year. If it was just like yeah, they're a bubble team, they they really struggled on the road. They're great at home. It was clear the basketball was better. 
that would still be, you know, a small step forward of, of some progress from, from previous seasons. But when you beat the number one team in the country, you'd like to think there's more out there for you. And uh, Nebraska hasn't shown that the last two games. Brandon, would you call this team as it stands right now a, a paper tiger? Is that too too harsh of a term to use? Because the, what I just said last segment was if you're a, a team that's good at home but you can't win on the road, that means you're not a good basketball team. Is that fair? Um, I mean, I think that I think the home road piece of it is fair. I I shy away from the label paper tiger at at this point a little bit because. You know, when you have games like this, or even when you have the game against Purdue, because it's the same thing I was doing then, like I try to look at kind of the broader picture. Like, okay, you know, Nebraska loses that lead against Rutgers, and they're clearly not playing well. They're getting out physical. They're they're outsized. All the things we all see. But they happen to come up with a way to win that game in overtime. Like, are we talking about an entirely different thing today? Probably not. Like, I think we would still see the flaws, but the tone of it's the tone of it's different. So if you look at the three, like, okay, they shot really well and beat Purdue. They didn't, Iowa shot really well and beat them. No, consider those cancel each other out. Rutgers is just a big physical team and, and Nebraska's not that. Um, and that said, you know that you have time to game plan for it. You got to know what you got, you're going to face and, and do some basic basketball things. But so I'm still kind of somewhere in the middle. I don't, I don't think they're you know, fraudulent by, by any means. They're just limited. Um, and if you're a limited team that's got some good wins and also some, some quizzical losses, well, kind of back to where we started, uh, you, you might be on the bubble. And with that in mind, Brandon, if you're a bubble team, is an NIT appearance a win for Nebraska this year? Does that, that put Fred's job at, at risk? What do you think that type of finish would be? If Nebraska does, in fact, miss the tourney and it, it kind of continues going in the direction that a lot of Husker fans feel it's going today, what would an NIT appearance mean to you? I mean, people would go. <laughs> they, they'd show up and, and watch the games because Nebraska, I think, has done enough already to, to the point where they would, you know, unless the bottom totally falls out, uh, they, they'd be hosting the early rounds. But I don't think the NIT does much for you this this year not with the way that you started not with the record um that you had and, and sort of still have um it's just there's and, and, it, and it's different at nebraska with basketball too like everyone knows the history here and uh it's it's kind of like not that there haven't been seasons where the nit has felt like a like a big deal it it, it definitely has but I don't think with, with the way this team started, an NIT gets you much at the end of the year. Brandon Vogel's with his counter-read, counterread.com. Vogelsland shift over to Glenn Thomas. You've uh, followed a lot of the hires that Rules made since he got here. Nebraska now has a dedicated quarterback coach. Let's do that math here uh, and talk upside with Glenn Thomas. What you like from what you've observed with his time teamed up with rule teamed up with Satterfield. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's the, the kind of the lead here is when the, those three have been together, they've, they've done some, done some pretty good things. So, so Satterfield was with rule at temple from, from the beginning in 2013. Um, Thomas didn't come in until 2015. They jumped about a touchdown in, in points per game 
2015, that year they were together. And then, and then Satterfield went back to his alma mater for, for a head coaching job. And, and Temple, which I think, if I'm remembering correctly, won 10 games in 2015 and was pretty good at that point. That was year – that was the end of year three for the rural era. Um, they, they took another jump even that, that year following. And then it was, it was kind of Thomas and, and his show for the first two years at Baylor. Satterfield joined that staff in year three. Um, as, as the tight ends coach, and that was that was Baylor's best year offensively. So I, I do think you could point to some things here that say, hey, the exchange of ideas between these three guys, head coach and offensive coordinator, maybe co-offensive coordinators who both coach a position, uh, has been pretty good to them in the past. So that's the starting point. Um, on, on the QB piece specifically, you know, we saw we saw Satterfield move up to the to the booth to, to call plays later in the year, um, which left Matt rule to kind of talk to Harburg, Sims, Purdy, whoever, whoever was, was coming off the field um, too often <laughs> after a turnover as, as we all remember, <laughs> but um, rule doesn't have to do that. Now you presumably will have a quarterback's coach down on the field. And, and I, I, I do think that that sort of stuff matters a little bit. So between between those two things and and Thomas, you know, has a wide variety of experience. He got hired in the NFL very early, basically off an internship, you know, um, doing some work in the summer while he was a college coach with some NFL coaches that got him the Falcons gig. Um, so it's it's an impressive resume. He's seen a lot. He's been around a lot of football, and, and I think anytime you add in kind of NFL experience to the equation, you're going to speak to you're going to speak to potential college football players when it comes to recruiting. Brandon, one of the the the, the selling points with Glenn Thomas, you've heard it a decent amount this week, is he's kind of a chameleon with his offense. He's worked in a lot of different kinds of offenses. He's not married to one scheme. So with that in mind, do we look back at that 2015 season with Temple or, or Satterfield's? time with Glenn Thomas at Baylor as maybe a model for this offense looks like, or do you think moving forward, the offense is more predicated on what Dylan Riola does, your five-star quarterback? How do you look at what the offense looks like moving forward with these two together? Yeah, probably, probably the latter. Um, you know, I don't think with a, with a player, with a five-star quarterback, it wouldn't matter if it was Dylan Riola if it was one of the others. Um, that guy's probably not coming to Nebraska if you can get one. To, to throw the ball 20 times a game. And if, if you've got effective quarter play, quarterback play, um, it would be kind of crazy to throw the ball 20 times a game, which is what Nebraska did this past year. Made sense. Um, and, you know, we'll see as we go down the road if, if, if that helped the O-line. Like, there's – it's a lot easier from our seats, you know, to, to look at a guy and be like, oh, that's air raid or that's option or, you know, what whatever whatever it is you want to do and say, here's their style. Like, this is what they're going to do. They're going to run it, and it's it's killer. Um, that's fun. Less fun, but maybe more effective in the long run is being a little bit adaptable and, and being able to say, like, okay, we've got a really strong quarterback. Our O-line probably is improving. We get the running backs we need. We're going to be able to do anything we want, and I think that's that's kind of where Nebraska has positioned themselves. Folks, before we get out, a are you watching the Polynesian Bowl tomorrow night? B, tell us a little more about Counter Reed. How folks can get hooked up? Yeah, I will be. I will be watching the Polynesian Bowl. You know, I watched that Iowa Tennessee 
bowl game and, and Nico, the famed five-star quarterback for, for the balls. Uh, that was his, his first start. And I came away impressed from that. I was like, Oh, like, you know, five-star guy, like the ball just comes out of his hand differently. And, you know, all-star games are tough. Um, but I just want to watch Dylan throw the football. Like we've seen, we've seen a lot of clips on social media. Um, I want to see it on in, in a game now. Um, because I came away from that pretty impressed when I, when I encountered it from a, from a Tennessee perspective. So that'll, that'll be what I plan to do with my Friday night. Um, as far as kind of read goes, uh, it's a twice weekly newsletter from myself and Aaron Sorensen, uh, had some, had some stuff on Glenn Thomas this week. Uh, we'll have another post coming tomorrow, but you can check us out. It's a Substack newsletter, uh, free to sign up. We, we do hope you Give us a give us a try and eventually see the value and become a paid paid subscriber. But that's what we're doing over there. Try to uh, just focus on on things that are interesting to to Nebraska fans and also interesting to us from a writing perspective. Elijah's too. You're not going to ask him. I'm going to ask him. Where'd you get the the turtleneck? We love it. The turtleneck. Um, I don't remember where I got this one, but it's uh, it's cold. I, I live basically a couple of miles from Georgia and. Uh, it gets down to single digits here. I used to be, I used to be okay with this stuff, but it, it changes fast. The, the, so. the outfit you have, I was saying it before we start this interview. It reminds me of the scene from Goodwill Hunting, where uh, Matt Damon puts all those MIT students in their place in the bar whenever they get in that little discussion. You, you seem like one of that guy's, one of those guys' cronies. You know, Just one of the guys hanging out. Wow, in I'm on the bad side of that. I'm not. On, I'm not on the guys from Southeast. Side. You look a little right. preppy. This, inter- this interview's over. How do you like? How do you like them? <laughs> Great, you blew it for Saturday morning too, Elijah. I mean, no uh, apologies. I, I forget he, I said he's it. Sorry, Vogue, you take care. Thanks so much. All right, guys, have a good one. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out, Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. You can find the Brandon Vogel interview on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or catch the video portion, uh, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, and the podcast platforms you want to check out. Reminder about your friends from Dyer Law. Workers' compensation, confused about your options for workers' comp? Put your trust in the team at Dyer Law to help ensure that your rights are protected. You get the settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. That's Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. So some more comments to get to. In the stream, we'll hear some comments from earlier today. Our friends with the morning hookup had uh, Danny Knee on the show. I love Coach Knee, loved covering him when I was a college student and loved watching his teams play ball. But Anonymous checks in as we put a bow on basketball. Reminder, Garth Glissman, proud uh, Waverly son, and uh, all the way to the NBA, all the way now to, down to the SEC. We'll have a sit-down via video with Garth here a little bit after 5. Garth used to come on regularly before 
he got to the NBA uh, and uh, was, you know, uh, just always gracious. Uh, like so many people. He used well, to come on before he made it big. Well, he, <laughs> you can't always get clearance to come on every week to do a radio show from, uh, from Commissioner Silver. That's my read. Uh, so, Anonymous checks in. In this conference, he's talking about the Big Ten. You have to have skilled players but they also have to be physical enough to match up with all the goons they see in the Big Ten, along with the terrible officiating. And uh, Anonymous uh, finishes his comments up with this. And you don't ever want to blame refs, but every time uh, referee Kelly does a game, and he's done a few this year for Nebraska. Oh, Kelly Pfeiffer. Yeah, he's he's garbage, uh, and quite frankly – I'm going to pile on the rest for two seconds because they, they are inconsistent. They stop play. I know it's their job. They're trying their best, I, I hope. There's no Donahue, thank God, anymore. But the point is, is they, they just they, 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 they insert themselves in the game at times, it feels like, when they don't need to. There are many players available to meet both those requirements. Those guys aren't good enough stepping on themselves. Um, I lost the the comment here. Oh, there we go. It's right above it here on Big Ten officiating. Um, So long and short, I mean, I thought it was, I mean, Rink, like Rink stopped after he made a a play down low one time last night, missed the shot, and turned the ball over. They called him either for a walk or the ball went out of bounds. I forget what it was, but it was another turnover, right? Nebraska still had the lead at this point. And he stopped and he's like, look, bro, I got hit in the head. That's why I lost the basketball. And he did. He got clocked. And I don't, what I don't get, Elijah, and you're, you're an umpire. And listen, you, you do a good job and you take it seriously and you don't make it about yourself. You never have. But Rank gets hit in the head. And then you got Kisei trying to, to, to draw contact instead of just go make a play. And I I understand that he's money from the free throw line, but just play through it. Don't expect anything at home or away. Just play through it and, and try and be the tougher tougher player. And that sounds obvious, but Nebraska's not doing it right now. It's a case of, and you see it in baseball sometimes too, where a pitcher doesn't like your zone. Oh, you're squeezing me. Well, Pitch better. <laughs> Simply put. <laughs> Throw strikes, damn it. <laughs> I've shown you my zone. And, and last night, you, you were seeing what a foul was. It was being called pretty loose. A, a physical Big Ten basketball game is what last night was to me. There were some calls I didn't necessarily agree with, but I will say I think they, they, the officials were pretty consistent in letting them play. Once they have established how they're going to call a game, it is on you to rise up to the challenge and play well enough to go win. That's fine, but don't change how you call the game in the middle of the game. Did Kelly you, seems to do that. Did you see that? I don't think I necessarily saw that. I, I saw there were some calls I questioned, like when Josiah Alec got clocked and got called for a travel down low, question that call. There were some calls I questioned, but I think pretty consistently throughout that it game. It was pretty consistently inconsistent. Pretty consistently, we're going to let them play. Okay. All right, fair enough. That's pretty much what I saw. Because, yeah, Josiah got called for a travel down low, and I think he got fouled. I think you probably could have made a, a similar call on that inbounding play late whenever Sam Hoiberg comes in doubles. Probably in a different conference, probably could have gotten that called for a foul, but they were consistent and said, you know what, we called the travel earlier, this is a travel now. You know the part of it, too, is like the, the weight of the foul. Like when Rus- Rutgers fouled Nebraska, I mean, they fouled Nebraska. When Nebraska fouled Rutgers, it didn't look as, as violent. <laughs> 
<laughs> or physical. Let's hear a little bit from Danny Nee. He is back Saturday to be honored as Nebraska's 93-94 uh, NCAA tournament team is uh, going to be honored along with Nee's first team. And uh, this is a little bit from Nee about being able to come back. He never thought he'd be honored back in Nebraska. I was told him. No, I was like shocked. And, and you know who helped me make the decision was my son, Kevin. Mm. I said, Kevin, I don't know if I want to go back out there. You know, I, I don't even know who the hell's going to be there. You, you know what I mean? You know, what would they want to do with me? And then my son says, he's talking to his friends out there. He goes, Dad, they love you, man. They, Roger Brown, another guy. Coach, they love you. You tell them, you know, they like you. And so, you know, with all of that, you know, just each day it just went on and people called and it just grew. You know, and now... I'm really excited about tomorrow morning jumping on the plane and coming. I, I'm not going to kid you. I'm meeting Dr. Stark in Omaha for lunch. You know, and you know how important he was. He, you know, about he was really like another coach, and he really helped us formulate the culture that we developed before what happened. You know, and it was it was a night. It was became home to all you guys and, and to me. And we had a lot of help, a lot of good assistant coaches, a, a lot of good players. A lot of good support staff, our strength coach, you know, um, Boyd Ippley and those guys. I mean, that was strong, you know, what we had there. And, and Coach Devaney was really a diehard basketball fan, more than people think. So it was, it's really nice. It's very exciting. I never thought I'd be back. You know, I mean, I never thought of it. Oh, they're going to call me up and send me an airplane ticket and tell me to bring my son. Danny Nee, he's, he's excited about being back and, it didn't end the way it needed to end for, for Coach here. He did a hell of an awesome job, 11 to 15 years in postseason. And uh, he he had some some winners, and he had some NBA talent. More from me if we can squeeze this in. Uh, he talked about last night in Nebraska and Rutgers, just the, the difficulty of the road in major conference basketball. Last night I watched the poor Huskers you know, lose to Rutgers, and then you start realizing how hard it is mm-hmm. to win a game on the road. And then when you get in these conferences, the Big Eight, the Big Ten, the win, period. You know, it's, it's very, very, very difficult because everyone's working at the same goal. And everybody has good players. You know I mean, so, yeah, it's, it's special. It was, it was nice. And it's, it's special as I think, referring to his own accomplishments mm-hmm. at Nebraska yeah. and realizing how difficult it actually was. Uh, email in from Greg in Michigan, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. You can't build a successful winning basketball program from the transfer portal year after year, in my opinion. You might get lucky and catch lightning in a bottle uh, like uh, Michael Tucker one year, but you got to build from the ground up with development and talent. I don't I think have, you can build it with a mix. Yeah, you have to, you have to sprinkle in because Sam Greasel and, and Walker were, were monster parts of what turned the corner for this program, and I know they've not achieved anything yet, but they're they're watchable now. And two guys watched last night wasn't watchable, but overall, you have a better feel despite last night's loss. We'll wind down hour one next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour: Garth Glissman, Gary Barnett, Daddy Burke. Next hour, Tom with us here on Hale Varsity. Tom, thanks for calling. Hey, Schmitty, what a difference a week makes. Man, it was good seeing you in front of Purdue. We had a great chat, Tom. Uh, Long-time uh, listener, love you, man, uh, catching up and taking the time to call. But you're right. What a difference a week makes. How are you feeling? Uh, I, last night and even this morning talking to a couple people, I'm, if, if, if Penn State, Rutgers, 
and possibly Minnesota come to Lincoln, that might be our last chance at wins. I don't know how good the rest of Ohio State is. They're coming up shortly, but the way it sounded last night, and I, I'm not set up to watch anything outside of local channels, but uh, I did uh, – did they just climb over our backs for rebounds, or did they just get position? They got position. I mean, it was a little bit of both. Like, there was some uh, some artful warfare going on in the paint, but you weren't strong enough to hold them out is, yeah. is what it came down to. And you had three or four guys staring and looking at one another when, guess what, a 4,000th missed free throw happened, and uh, somebody went and, and got the miss. Yep, yep, exactly. It did. It sounded it sounded like they were pretty helpless on the, on the radio broadcast. No, it that's that's the perfect word, especially when Gary goes out and Rink can't do it himself. And uh, commenter in our stream here, Tom says it looks like Rink got clawed by a tiger. I mean, he, he I mean he he tries to bring it down low, but he's just one dude. Um, it's just is, one dude. Has has anything been said about Gary yet? Now that official Fred talks tomorrow around twelve thirty, so we'll, we'll have a, an announcement there. But you know, we'll see if Nebraska can get things figured out. But no, I mean they have their moments, uh, good and bad. But yep. we'll yep. see if they can can get it right. And hey, Tom, thanks for the phone call, hey, bud. You bet. Thank you. Oh, man, there he is. Good to hear from Tom. Time for Danny. One more or no? If we get it in the next five seconds. All right, let's hear uh, last thought from Danny Knee. When I came in, I had the soundest team and mature team that I'd ever seen defensively. So we just stayed right with that vein, stayed with that. So in business, I, if, it's, if you're making money and it's working right, don't be firing people. I was talking to all those guys in that they're going to stay. And then my message, and I remember talking to Bill Jackman about this. I said, Bill, you were a high school All-American. What's the deal? And he goes, we, we're not sure when we should be shooting. I said, well, you shoot the damn ball every chance you get. You remember the score of the first game? Do you remember the first game who we played? I can't remember who we played, but I know we scored a yeah, lot. It was, it was, okay, it was Fullerton State. You know who the, you know who the coach was? Mm. Scotty Brooks. You know who Scotty Brooks is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, tough as nails. And, 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 you know, tough as nails. You wouldn't want to get in a street fight with him. Oh, yeah. He well, he dropped 36 on us. That's a bad memory, so coach. Guys <laughs> and and they're, shoot, they're shooting the three like maniacs. So yes. we came out, and I said, man, we have to shoot the basketball. Yeah. If you look over at me, your ass is coming out of the game. This is our first game. I said, don't be looking at me. I can't score. I can't help. You've got to start playing. We've got to start shooting the basketball and playing. We lost the game, I think, 130 to 122. And in the locker room, when I walked in, it was like a morgue. I well, said, hey, hey, hold. How many of you guys in your college career have ever scored 100 points? Raise your hand. Not one guy. I said, we scored 122 points. Now if we figure out a way to stop them, we're going to win a lot of games. And they all started laughing. I said, guys, this is just the start of it. We're going to have some fun. We're going to get up and down the floor. We're going to play Coach Ivy's defense. And then we're going to shoot Danny Knee's offense. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids all started smiling. I could see them in the shower talking. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? He said, shoot the ball. I said, damn straight, you better shoot the ball. <laughs> Danny Knee, got to love him. Tiger Sharks asked if I'm uh, going to rob a 7-Eleven. No, it's a snow squall outside, but... Thanks for your concern. Garth Glitzman, next. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. 
Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. We're streaming video that way across the Hale Varsity Radio Network. Hale Varsity Radio Twitter can watch the show that way at H Varsity Radio. Without further ado, a dear friend, a longtime uh, broadcast partner, mentor, and uh, confidant, I welcome in the SEC Associate Commissioner for Men's Basketball, Garth Glissman. G-Unit to his buddies. Garth, it is awesome to see you. Uh, I assume the weather's better than snow squall warnings in southeast Nebraska. How are you? It's been seven and a half years since we've done one of these segments. I know. Uh, somebody, and, and somebody In that time, you've now gone to streaming. So we're doing all we're on camera now and people are following us on social media, radio, all sorts of platforms. So you and I have not been strangers over the last seven and a half years, um, but uh, been a stranger to your airwaves. So it's good to be back and excited to report uh, from SEC country. You, You went off to the NBA, which is awesome. And now you're you're down in in the SEC. Garth, I want to get folks caught up because they've followed your career and uh, really uh, excited for for things going on. But let's let's talk about your journey, your path here, man. Before we get into some ball, some football, and some basketball talk, but tell me about uh, heading down to to, to Alabama and uh, to Birmingham with the uh, SEC office. After seven and a half years at the NBA League office, I started at the SEC in August, and I've always been a believer that there are different seasons of life, and I'll always cherish my time at the NBA. I learned so much, uh, had so many talented coworkers and, and a lifetime full of experiences, uh, but it was time to start a, a new season, so to speak, and uh, the 14, soon to be 16 schools in the SEC are unique for many of the same reasons that the University of Nebraska is so unique. Big state institutions, people really care about their state university and the athletics programs. Uh, college athletics are a galvanizing force in the communities throughout the SEC. Uh, I'm thankful to be working with Commissioner Greg Sankey. Uh, I had never met Commissioner Sankey before I started the interview process for this job, but he's someone I had studied and admired for several years before taking this job. and. On a personal note, my wife and I, we have two little kids now, and the prospect of raising two kids in New York City was somewhat daunting for us. We loved our time in New York, uh, but life got harder there beginning in the pandemic, and then you have kids and your perspective changes, as you and many of our listeners know. So add it all up, the opportunity with the SEC was was a blessing for our family. Uh, I've been on the road a lot in my first four months on the job, been to each SEC institution at least once and in some cases twice. I'm loving it, learning a lot, and um, happy to be on your show today. Tell me, Garth, whenever you were going through that, that interview process with, with Greg Sankey and the SEC, did you really emphasize your coaching experience at Parkview Christian as, as a big notch in your favor? Did it, was that impressive to, to the people down there? Commissioner Sankey told me at one point in the interview process that uh, he wasn't sure if I got any credit for my high school coaching experience. (laughs) Uh, Historically, 
league office roles, um, not as much in recent years, but historically, uh, former coaches often transitioned into roles um, like the one that I had now. So the fact that I, I didn't have any college experience as a coach or administrator was a strike against me. And so we, we laughed about that, uh, that my high school experience didn't really count. But <laughs> fortunately, uh, what I learned at the NBA in, in my seven and a half years there and my passion for, for college sports, I think I was able to convey that. And you look at college athletics, one of the final big initiatives that I was a part of at the NBA was, uh, you know, being a part of. Uh, a small part of the collective bargaining discussions that resulted in the NBA's most recent collective bargaining agreement. And, and you look at the state of college athletics and it's an unprecedented period with rapid change due to litigation, federal and state legislation. And frankly, that attracted me to the job. I, I wanna be part of the solution. And I think that my passion for college athletics came through in the interview process when I was, was meeting with Commissioner Sankey, Deputy Commissioner Charlie Hussey, and, and other future colleagues. And like so many of uh, my colleagues in the SEC, I continue to believe that college athletics provides a unique opportunity to positively impact young people and communities like the one I grew up in, in Lincoln. And so it wasn't difficult for me to get excited about this, this opportunity. Garth Glissman, the pride of Waverly, Waverly to Lincoln, had a Husker football helmet, had Husker Adidas high tops for the hardwood, football and basketball, uh, then to law school, law school to Omaha with Q-Tech Rock, Omaha to New York City with the NBA, and the NBA to the SEC. Uh, that is a timeline, man. We're uh, Excited for you, Garth Glitzman, with us here on Hale Varsity. And the, the challenges, man, associated with college athletics, NIL, Portal, and, and everyone's facing them uh, in, in the world of, of college athletics, basketball, football, baseball, you name and pick a sport. You're on the administrative side. You uh, work well with the coaches. And it's a 24-hour job, it feels like. Well, it's, it's harder to be a coach in this environment. It's also harder to be a student athlete. But um, just because student athletes can make a little bit of money now um, or can transfer doesn't mean that, you know, they're um, any less uh, willing to uh, learn, that they, that they no longer benefit from guidance. Um, you know, you think about you know, whether, wherever you are in your station life, if you're a young professional, you, you know, you get your first job, you look to people in your workplace mentors to learn from. When I was at the NBA, one of the things I was most proud of was being a mentor to younger colleagues. And just because a college student athlete now has, has the ability um, to, to monetize uh, some aspects of their notoriety doesn't mean that they um, don't benefit from guidance. And, and so, Chris, you and I, we've always shared a passion for helping young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be a high school coach um, in Nebraska. You and I broadcast a lot of high school and college games over the years, mostly high school. And so I, I think coaches and student athletes, they're, they're dealing with complexities um, that have never existed before in college athletics. But frankly, those challenges excite me uh, because I, you know, I still think you know, young people need to be developed. They need to be mentored. And if you care about young people, uh, this is still a, a great profession to be in. 
Garth, what's your, your reaction? We had Charlie McBride on the show on Monday, and he said in this era, it's so different. He, he thinks that people are forgetting that, that there's the student part to student-athlete as well. What's your reaction to that in this era of NIL with players transferring around and it seemingly only being about whatever sport they're competing in? Do you think that that has been lost or, or just with your, your hands-on experience there, what is your reaction to that comment? For me, uh, college athletics has to be tied to the, the academic experience. Uh, for the vast majority of, of student athletes across the country, um, athletics is, is a means to an end. It's, it's not the end all. And, and I think college athletics is most effective when you're able to marry athletics and academics. That's that's my North Star. Uh, I will tell you that holistically, I think it's harder to be a young person and harder to be a student athlete today than at any point in my lifetime, um, due to all the challenges that are well documented, uh, whether it's media scrutiny, coaching turnover, social media, NIL. It's well documented that our college campuses are dealing with a mental health crisis. That's that's an issue for student athletes. So, I, I think given my proximity to student athletes that I, I probably have more empathy. And then I think on, on balance in society, we need to be more empathetic, not less. Um, it, it is a different era. And I think it requires a, a different approach. But as, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, there's still young people and, and they still development, they still benefit from people who invest in them and, and care about them and, and can help them earn value uh, for their future. Garth Glissman's with us. Garth, uh, thought on college basketball this season. It is wild. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun tournament. Uh, you've got uh, some of the power conferences that, that have some heavyweights, but it is treacherous as we tie in uh, teams that are probably looking at some some crop production uh, or, or I should say projections, crop reports uh, for, the, for the NCAA tournament. But uh, you know, just the difficulty, man, and, and you, uh, you've been to a ton of these venues, the difficulty of winning on the road, be it at Nebraska last night or an SEC school going on the road trying to, to, to get out of Dodge with a win. I mean, you've seen a lot of great efforts that came up short on the road this year in college basketball. The home court environment and the students in particular are a big part of what makes college basketball unique. And I say that having just spent seven and a half years at the NBA, which is a very different environment. Last week alone, four top five teams were upset on the road, Purdue, Houston, uh, Kansas, and, and Tennessee. So far in SEC play, the home team is 18 and, and 10. Um, so the reality is that is one of the unique features of college basketball. Um, I know Nebraska fans are, are disappointed with some recent road losses. The reality is that road losses in conference play don't hurt your NCAA tournament resume too much because the analytics are clear uh, that it is so difficult to win on the road. And for those who, who are data savvy with respect to college basketball and how the NCAA tournament selection committee evaluates teams. You're familiar with the net rankings and the net rankings are done on a sliding scale. So if you play this, you, know, you think about playing the same team twice, if you lose to a team on the road, that won't hurt you nearly as much as if you were to lose to them at home. So you, you try to protect your home court to the best of your ability and go steal a few on the road. And if you had a, a decent uh, non-conference performance 
and, and you're doing all that within the context of a major conference, you have an opportunity to uh, compete for an NCAA tournament bid. Uh, last season, the SEC and the Big Ten tied among conferences for most teams in the SEC in the NCAA tournament, excuse me, with eight each. Uh, this season, if you look at uh, Joe Lenardi's uh, projections as, as recently as today, uh, he has the Big 12 leading all conferences with 10 teams getting in the tournament. Uh, the SEC would be next uh, at eight, Big East with seven, and then the Big 10 projected to get six in. And as recently as today, that still includes Nebraska. Garth, uh, let's talk about your experience and uh, how it, it's kind of helped you to where you're at now as a student athlete, not only playing quarterback for, for Coach Solich and, and Coach Callahan and, and Bo as well, yet all three, but also your time at Nebraska as a basketball player. we got about two minutes left here, but you juggled it uh, all while uh, uh, making the way to, to Nebraska Law School. Well, I didn't juggle the athletic part very well, Schmitty. Um, <laughs> hey, they didn't know. stop Schmitty from playing his UNCA football back in the day. <laughs> yeah. You're uh, my quarterback. I, I was on a video game, uh, which might be my biggest athletic accomplishment. <laughs> but you, you touched on some of the coaches that were instrumental um, in my time uh, at the university. I was fortunate to play for Coach Solich, Coach Callahan, Coach Pelini, Coach Collier, um, Coach Collier is, is now the AD at Butler. He's retiring at the end of this year. He's currently on the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, so I get to interact with him, um, which has been really neat for me to have my, my path um, cross with his again um, recently in life. And, and I've been fortunate as a professional as well. Uh, I talked about so many of the NBA colleagues that I got a chance to learn from, worked for, for Adam Silver for seven and a half years. I get a chance to work for Greg Sankey now at the SEC. And my advice to, to, to young people, frankly, people of all ages, is to, to be a lifelong learner, um, to try to learn from each experience that you go through in life, including the setbacks. And, you know, I routinely joked about my humble um, athletic career in college, Chris, on your airwaves. But the reality is I learned a lot from it. And no matter what you're going through in life, um, the good, the bad, the in-between, you can learn from it. Uh, I think that's been one of my strengths over the years is that I've been, been willing to learn from my mistakes, to persevere. These are a lot of life lessons that you can learn from athletics. And I've been able to combine that willingness um, to learn and to get back up when life knocks you down uh, with the desire to, to learn from people that I've worked with or, or coaches, coworkers. And so I'm the beneficiary of a lot of great leaders in my life. Uh, and you mentioned some college coaches. I had some great high school coaches as well at Waverly High School. And so that's that's all part of development. And it, it speaks to the student athlete experience that I mentioned at the top. And that's one of the reasons why I believe so passionately in college sports is that college sports offer a unique platform to positively impact young people and to positively impact communities. And when you're impacting young people and galvanizing communities, you're having a positive impact on the world. And uh, I think that's what, what makes college athletics unique and why I'm so excited to be in the SEC. Garth, uh, real quick, do you still follow Parkview Christian? Can I do. I'm the proud Patriots. of Parkview. Um, two-time defending state champions, and uh, currently their their best player and the leading scorer in the state. Um, 
Terrence Morris is uh, the younger brother of the best player that I ever coached at Parkview, Henry Tanksley. And Terrence was a lot of our practices and games over the years. So uh, as you know, Chris, Parkview brought a lot of joy to my life in the four years that I coached there. And I think it's a lesson that it doesn't matter if you're at the NBA, if you're at the SEC, or if you're at Parkview Christian, if you invest in people, if you care about people and you're focused on trying to develop people, it's meaningful no matter where you are. You can learn from it, grow from it, and um, there's there's upward mobility as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm proud of my connection to Parkview Christian and proud of what they've accomplished since I left. Garth Glissman with us here, SEC Associate Commissioner for Basketball. Garth, we'll do this again. Thanks for coming back to us. Thanks for having me, Chris, and uh, appreciate you giving me an opportunity to connect with your listeners. It's been a long time away, but as you know, Lincoln means a lot to me and, and appreciate you giving me a time to uh, grace your airwaves again. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. Let's bring in the Hall of Fame coach with Colorado and Northwestern, also in the Missouri Hall of Fame, Gary Barnett with his coach. How are we doing? Doing well down here, Chris. Sunny uh, Arizona. Been nice, little golf in, <laughs> but I, and I know yours hasn't been so nice, and I don't want to rub it in. But it is, it's oh, you, been nice. You time. just you just keep rubbing. That's fine. I talked to you, and I talked to my mother, and both of you are enjoying seventy two and awesome. Uh, <laughs> we are not. I, I got to ask you this, and I really enjoyed the athletics kind of rundown of, of Nick Saban, his career and his different stops. And my friend Mitch Sherman talked with George Darlington and I know you know George, Coach Darlington. And I got a kick out of of the time that, that Nick invited George to dinner when there was kind of a coaching clinic going on or, or Nebraska's coaches went up to Michigan State and George bothered Miss Terry for the Italian dressing salad dressing recipe when you coaches get together what are some memorable dinner moments i.e hosting a coach having a great time or or going to a coach's house here's what's going on here's what we're doing sharing information you know chris i i I, uh i don't recall except at at uh, the convention sitting down at dinner and even then if we were sitting down at dinner it was probably to watch the national championship game with someone uh, I remember doing that with Mac and Sally Brown mm-hmm. down in Texas. You have your group of friends that you you sort of speak to on the phone. For the most part, you, it just seems like you're so busy and you don't have enough time with your family anyway. And so you you don't necessarily want to spend it with other coaches uh, at that time. And so um, I just never seemed to find the time to do that. And maybe it was because no one would invite me to dinner, bad table manners or something. But no, it just seems like your life is so busy that when you when you have moments like that you want to spend them with your family or uh and and, you know maybe in uh in nick's case he was trying to get information from george because sometimes you know there is times you want to share and usually that's just around a beer at the bar at the convention or if you go on a trip you know your coaches go somewhere and you go with them to see what somebody's doing to you know talk about offense or defense then you have those conversations, but most of them around, you know, we all have a number of us were sponsored by Nike. And so we would go on a trip every year. And probably that's where I got more information and shared more information than any other time that was 
20 of us and that was Stoops and Paterno and um, all the, all the schools that were at Nike. And during that time you're playing golf, uh, you're sitting around at dinner chatting and then you can really talk about football and enjoy each other's families. But, uh, just going out for dinner somewhere that that didn't ever seem to work for me. Well, no, that's all right. I love kind of getting the backstory of of you know the sharing of information and coaches convention. I totally get and uh, the golf outings and the Nike trips. Those those were cool. If if you could pick three other coaches to golf with, who would you pick? Frank Beamer would be number one. Um, R.C. Slocum would probably have been number two. Um, number three, oh, Gary Patterson maybe. I mean, he was off the wall, and he 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 hit it 150 times. But he was, he always had a lot of energy and was fun to be around. So uh, if I just wanted to play golf and not talk and just have really good competition, probably New Heisel because – He's probably the best player out there of all the guys, although Beamer's probably right there. Spurrier was fun to play with. I enjoyed playing with Spurrier. So. Did he mouth- let, me, let me take Patterson off the list and put Spurrier on. Did, did he talk trash, or was he just quiet and went about his business? Who, who's that, Spurrier? Spurrier. Yeah, he was a golf. He had a golfer's mentality. We played in the uh, Peyton Manning's tournament in, in Denver one day, one week. Uh, no, he was he was fun to be around. You know, he he was he was serious enough about it, but he didn't he wasn't overly serious. He, he was a good player. Gary Barnett with us, couple of minutes. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Coach Nebraska made a addition to their offensive staff. It's a familiar addition with Matt Rule. Glenn Thomas was his offensive coordinator at Temple and also at Baylor and uh, just wrapped up his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers as an offensive analyst. He was at ASU in 2022 and uh, during that 3-9 and nine season. But Thomas has had some good history. What's your reaction? I don't know how well you know about Glenn Thomas, but just some of the research we've done, he's pretty multiple but, but really good at uh, developing talent, and, and he's going to have a, a good one, it looks like, in Dylan Raiola. Yeah, well, I think number one is you just you want somebody who's on the same page with you, and uh, somebody you've worked with because there's just you, you feel like you're at war all the time when you're in, on a coaching staff, and it's you against everybody, and you want guys in the trenches with you that you know you can trust. You know, you know, you know, you're not going to have a lot of uh, outside interference and and problems and uh, distractions with him, and so that. that that probably speaks as much about Glenn as anything is that Matt just really trusted him and really appreciated his expertise and how he handled, uh, dealt with players and how he dealt with issues on offense. And so that level of trust, it has to be, especially for that position, you, you've got to have this high level of trust. You're willing to take some chances on some other positions, but probably not at that position. And so it's just going back to somebody that, you know, knows Matt and isn't going to overreact to some of the things Matt's going to do because we all do those things. And uh, a guy who can get along with you and you know uh, you have a level of trust with him and you know what he can do. So uh, those are the hires that you see in those important positions. How dicey or, or great is it to have co-coordinators? 
it all depends on the personalities of the two coordinators. Um, you, you know, you really, deep down, you don't really want to do that. But you want to reward and keep your coaches around, and you want to have guys move up the ladder, and becoming a co-coordinator is a move up. But, um, you know, people have made it work. They really have. But it really, usually in that case, there's one really strong personality and one not-so-strong personality, and a really strong personality takes over. If you have two really strong personalities, you probably have a, a fist fight every morning. So, um, <laughs> you know, and sometimes those fist fights are good. But, uh, you know, it, it. every one of these co-coordinators are different. And uh, I've had a little bit of everything, and I've had fist fights in the morning, and I've had real strong personalities and, and other guys who just let the strong personality take over. So uh, it just depends on that room. And you and I are probably never going to know what that is exactly like. So I got to ask, who were the fist fights between? Oh, you know that stays in house. You know, <laughs> good answer. <laughs> fights in the meeting room stay in the meeting room. Any, any, anyone? Well, was it was it a was it was it a pretty good uh, you know competition or what was the fist fights end poorly for the guy who still kept getting into the fist fights? I can imagine the the egos and the and the passion. I'll say for, uh, you know, wanting to do something a certain way. Well, you know, that's true, but uh, generally those, you know, somebody usually wins a fist fight and somebody usually loses. So whoever won the fist fight gets to call the plays or gets to do what he wants. So, uh, it's, you know, when I say a fist fight, I'm talking, I mean, you got to bring your evidence. You've got to have, uh, you got to have, data to prove what your point is and you you got to be able to throw it on the screen and show uh that this happens this happens this happens and this is why we should do that and if you can't prove your point then you lose the fist fight so it's it's good in, in so many ways gary barnett with his coach uh, the carousel going a billion miles per hour and we've had it kind of wind down here sabin uh, is going to just uh, have that office in Tuscaloosa. Kalen DeBoer, what do you think? I mean, it was a quick turnaround, man, from retirement to hiring Kalen from Washington down to Alabama. What do you think of, the, of, of Kalen taking the job? Well, it had, to hire fa- it had to happen fast, and these ADs are always, they know, they, they, they pretty much know, they've always got to keep a list and be looking out and, thinking about it and and so you know i i know the ad at, at uh, alabama wasn't shocked when this happened and so you know he he's been that's what ad's you know they've got to keep a list they've got to have ongoing relationships so the hire of kaylin the certainly is interesting it's, a, it's you know i saw his records 107 and 12 mm-hmm. that's that gets you in most places you know that's going to get you at the top of the list in most places the opponents that were that he was dealing with in that race, uh, I think he had defeated him five to nothing in the playoffs or in, during the season. So, um, you know, it's uh, we'll see. You never know. We can't tell. I saw where there's 27 kids from Alabama in the portal, but yeah. but but uh, the crux of most of them are staying. And you know, that's always an issue. And anymore, you, you used to be you could just hire a coach and off you go. But now you got to deal with all this other stuff. And a lot of these kids are just gaining leverage is what they're doing. They're going to either get paid more to stay at Alabama or get more to go somewhere else because they're a five-star. So that's, those are all challenges that none of us ever had to face before. And uh, 
But I think, oh, I mean, it's hard not to say that Kalen DeBoer is a good hire. He's going to have a culture shock. He spent his entire life in north of everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, north of Lincoln. So it's, uh, uh, you know, where he's going is not north of Lincoln. So, you know, we'll see how that happens. But he's a sharp guy. He really is. Jed Fish, how about Arizona uh, losing Fish to Washington? I really like Fish's backstory. I think he's talented. Yeah, he's got a great backstory, and I don't blame him. I, I guess I don't blame him for going, but I felt really bad for for Arizona because here they are. I mean, they sort of trusted in him, and yeah. and now in three years he's got him somewhere, and he's got these kids there, and how many of these kids are now going to leave? I don't know how long these universities are going to put up with this stuff. I don't. I mean, I can't. I don't get it. You know, they just keep getting slapped around, and nobody will do anything about it. But you know, I, I think it's a slap to Arizona for him to go. Uh, I like him. I think he'll do fine. That has nothing to do with it. It's just I don't like the business of it. That's all. The business is tough to take sometimes. Coach, you have a good weekend. You stay warm. I'm, I'm worried about you. And uh, keep hitting those uh, those long drives and those birdies, all right? All right, Chris. Thanks. Great being with you. Good to spend time with Coach Barnett. We'll uh, get the best bets in. Danny Burke. On the way, Pride of Chicago, Hail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Let's try and help you make some money as the NFL playoffs loom this weekend. We say hi to Danny Burke at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter, the Pride of Chicago and uh, Burke's Best Bets. We do this segment every Thursday. You can log on and find out more info. Burke'sBeat.com. Danny's done great work, has his own podcast, Burke's Beat Podcast. He's done work with Visa and DraftKings. And uh, we say hi to Danny Burke. Pride of Chicago, how you doing? How's uh, the, the weekend looking? Are you going to be hunkered down in a sports book? You ski in the slope somewhere? Or are you going somewhere warm? <laughs> We're doing good, guys. We're doing very good. I probably will just be at a friend's place hunkering down there. You know, after I'd been in the sports book for so long doing the shows, you kind of get a little bit annoyed when, uh, you know, a majority of the crowd is going against your bet and you're fighting for <laughs> seats and drinks are upcharged. So you know how it goes. And it's not that I'm, you know, dismissing anybody going there. It's just uh, I've done my fair share. So I like to sit back, relax, and be able to, you know, walk to the mini fridge and grab a drink instead of going to the bar. Well, I, I totally get it. Uh, were you staying away from Nebraska Rutgers last night or – did did you uh, err on the side of staking a beer with me and and say just give me uh, give me Rutgers and Elijah can have the points? Based on what I saw from Danny's tweets last night, I don't think he took Rutgers. <laughs> well, no. So here's what happened: I didn't bet the game until overtime, but I'll get to that in a sec. So I didn't bet the game, but naturally I turned it on and I turned it on. I don't know, maybe five or seven minutes in the first half when they had a, what, a 10-point lead, and then they blew it, and then I was getting frustrated. But I said, all right, don't get frustrated. This is what they do. They can't play on the road. It's classic Nebraska. But, of course, I'm watching in the second half, and then they get up to a double-digit lead again, and you're kind of just sitting there going, how are they going to find a way to lose this game? Like, you knew it was – you didn't think it could happen, but you knew it was going to happen. I know all the Husker fans know that feeling. And they proceed to not score for nine minutes, yet still had a chance to win the game, and there's just, I could, 
spend the whole segment ranting about it. And like Elijah said on my Twitter, you can see it. But once this game went to overtime, it was clear Nebraska had no shot to win. So then I did live bet Rutgers to at least kind of salvage, you know, Nebraska losing, at least try to make some money off of it. Overtime is where underdogs and unders go to die, and it was clear the underdog being Nebraska was going to die in overtime because they were so incompetent. But, Schmitty, really quick, i got to ask you guys before we get to football, because I didn't see if they did, but did anybody ask Fred Hoiberg why the hell he was throwing up an alley-oop with three seconds left in that inbound play? I've never seen anything stupider in the game of basketball my entire life. Did anybody ask him why he did that? And it wasn't Fred saying, hey, this is the play. No, it, it was a situation where Kisei didn't wait long enough to clear from a rink screen, and Jamarcus said, well, hell, I'm just going to throw it at the rim. That's what happened. Uh, whatever it was, it just looked so bad all throughout, and they didn't even get Tomodog involved in the possession before. And, again, I don't know if that's coaching or him just camping out in the corner, but something needed to change down the stretch. I realized they were banged up, but – it was incredibly frustrating with the lack of in-game adjustments that we saw from Hoiberg and company. I but, think, I hey, think that's what beating Purdue does to us, right? We get our expectations higher and then uh, inevitably fall short, it seems. I, I think the adjustments were there. I think the edu- execution was shoddy at best. Um, I mean, yeah. I know it, it buck stops with Fred, but guy's got to do what he tells him. NFL. Texans, Ravens, you have uh, more blowouts than I remember in the postseason, but you have really high-level, young quarterback play. Does uh, Stroud keep it up? Does Baltimore cover? How you feeling here about Saturday's first ball game here, Texans, Ravens? Initially, I like looking toward the underdog in this spot with Houston catching nine and a half. It just seemed like that was too many points. But I stayed away, and I wanted to see how this line progressed, if at all. And really, guys, it hasn't. You've seen it be pretty steady at nine and a half, maybe a couple nines out there. But the consensus is nine in the hook. And the reason that I liked it is because, well, you know what C.J. Stroud can provide in the passing game, the magic he can create and a potential for a backdoor cover because of how many points there are. And maybe the Ravens are on a rest versus rough type of thing, and they're a little bit slow to get up off the couch. But then when you look at this weather report and you realize it's a dome team going to Baltimore and there's going to be like 20-mile-per-hour wind, that's going to affect the Texans way more than the Ravens. The Ravens can thrive with running the ball. The Texans are really poor offensively when it comes to the ground attack. And, of course, what they rely on is C.J. Stroud to throw it. So now you put him into the second round of the playoffs, a rookie quarterback in bad weather conditions. The Ravens have the big advantage in this spot. I still wouldn't love the idea of laying nine and a half. Of course, you could opt into the teaser leg. I haven't done that with the Ravens per se, but the more I look at this game, the more I see the weather, the more I do think the Ravens probably are going to end up controlling this game. And the only way the Houston Texans cover is by some kind of you know, floozy backdoor cover. But uh, it's been a fun year for the Texans and Stroud, but I do think they end up short on this upcoming Saturday. Then another big line on Saturday night with Green Bay heading out to the Bay, San Francisco taking on the 49ers. That line's also set at 9.5. What do you got there? Yeah, I ended up doing a teaser in this one, and it's an unconventional teaser of how I did it, but you have a finite amount of games, so you kind of got to pick and choose a little bit. And what I did was a seven-point teaser, getting the 49ers down from nine-and-a-half to two-and-a-half, and and then also paired it with the lines from six-and-a-half to plus-a-half. Now, I get it. You don't want to tease through a zero, but again, it's an unconventional teaser here. 
And starting with the 49ers, look, I mean, they've been the best offense all year and arguably still the best team in the NFL. Green Bay, despite what they did against Dallas, Dallas is just this inept team in the postseason. Green Bay is still one of the worst defensive teams, 23rd in defensive EPA per play, 30th in success rate. The 49ers are absolutely going to expose that, leave a little bit of the pressure of laying 9.5, get them down to 2.5, and, and that's why I like them for that leg of the teaser. And then for the lines over the Bucks, look, I took the Rams last week. I think the Rams are better than the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers had a very favorable matchup against a banged-up Philly team without A.J. Brown. Hurts was injured. The Eagles' defense was atrocious. So it wasn't too shocking to see Tampa Bay win that game. And they put up a lot of points, right? But remember, no team is as good or as bad as they were the week before. And Baker was banged up going into that game. He took some tough hits. I know he'll play. It'll probably be fine. But I don't think they're going to do enough to keep up with the Lions. Again, don't love Link 6.5 because I don't like the Lions' defense all that much. So that's why the Lions were my other leg of that teaser that I utilized. Danny, about a minute. What do you think here? Chiefs, Bills can get KC in three. Yeah, I, well, so yeah, you, you could get KC in three, but what I did is Buffalo in two in the hook. I love the Bills in this spot. The Bills have been my pick to come out of the AFC for the past couple of weeks. And what it comes down to is KC doesn't have enough offensive weapons. They're 16th in EPA per play since week 10. 22nd in success rate. Buffalo is 8th in each respective category. In the game we saw originally, yeah, Kansas City could have won, but that offsides occurred. Well, Buffalo also could have been up 17-0, but Allen had an egregious pick. He's toned down the volatility of his interceptions. Their offense has become a lot better. They have Diggs, Kincaid, Knox, Cook to go deep, and if they're not open, that opens up the lane for Allen. Mahomes doesn't have that, right? Kelsey's aging. Rasheed Rice is good, but he's a rookie. Tony and MBS are liabilities. Their offense is not going to be able to do enough. They both have good defenses. Casey's a little better, but the difference here is the home field advantage and Buffalo having a way better offense. So I laid two in the hook with the Bills in this game, guys. Danny Burke with his Burke's best bets. And, uh, Danny, uh, we will check in with you next week again. Burke'sBeat.com, where you can log on and find out more from Danny. Pride of Chicago, you take care. Thanks for a few minutes. You got it. You as well, guys. Enjoy the game. Talk to you next week. We'll wind down to Thursday. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, be safe. It's been nasty weather, and it has included a snow squall, which is the equivalent of a thunderstorm with snow and blowing snow. It looks a little clearer in eastern Nebraska right now. But be safe, be uh, cautious, and take your time. Back at you tomorrow at 4. Big thanks to Garth Glissman, man. First time in quite a while we've had a chance to get him on the show. His time and travel and uh, tour from the NBA to the SEC. Uh, dear friend Garth Glissman, uh, great Husker, and appreciate him uh, spending time with us today. Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel, Daddy Burke, Burke's Best Bets. Tomorrow on the show, Pride of Fairberry, Bill Dolman back in the saddle with us. We'll spend time with Jacob Padilla, and uh, we'll try and corral Clausburn. Reminder about buckling up. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives, prevents injuries only if properly worn. Make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Uh, As always, find the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio, and uh, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, Subscribe to that. Check out the show 
via video at HVarsity Radio for Hale Varsity Twitter. What are you doing tonight? Are you scooping? Are you uh, going to turn uh, the fireplace on and do some video gaming? Are you going to meal prep? What's on the agenda for you? I do have a little bit of meal prepping to be done. I think I'm going to try to do that tomorrow morning, though. Mm-hmm. My roommates and I uh, had some some dinner plans tonight and then potentially a trip to the sports book to lock in an NFL weekend parlay. That might be the move. I, I turned. What are you thinking parlay-wise? Well, it's funny. Well, let me tell you, it's in the back pocket. No, it's not. This is not my parlay. Our good friend Will Wilson from the Morning Hookup mm-hmm. gave me his notes of what he would play. This How's weekend. Will's record? I don't know, but he says parlay Sorry, the Will. Texans spread, so he flies in the face of Danny Burke, along with the Green Bay and San Francisco overs. Those are high points, man. But I can see both defenses squashing the young quarterbacks, can't you? I can. It's not done yet. Then he says take the Tampa Bay spread, which I believe we uh, four and a half was the was the total. Uh, six and a half. Six and a half. Excuse me. So he takes uh, Tampa to cover six and a half, and then take KC to cover the spread against Buffalo. That's his parlay. Texans outright. Green Bay, San Francisco over. Excuse me. Uh, Texans spread. Excuse me. Texans spread. Green Bay, San Francisco over. The Tampa Bay spread and the Kansas City spread. So he left me the note. I don't know if I'm going to use it or not. But that's what he thinks. The uh, What would this thing pay? Have you done the math yet? If you hit the parlay? Uh, if you hit all four? Depends how much money I put on it. Which I, I turned 50 into 85 last weekend at the sports book. So Look at you. So I have 85 to work with. Realistically, I should have 35 to work with. Mm-hmm. I, should, I should take my 50 back and just use the winnings, but I'm not a smart man. It's all right. <laughs> You're just going to let it ride. Let it ride. So we'll, we'll see if, if I end up doing that. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough weekend with those high lines. The nine-and-a-half-point lines always make you – that's a lot of points in the playoffs. But then you look at last week and you go, wow, well, well – no, The overs were – A lot of big uh, point totals last week. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Do you, have any, do you have any advice? We got Danny's advice. I, it's got to be now or never, but we've said that the last three years with Buffalo, haven't we? We have. I mean, because since he went in and stung him last year, they've got home field against KC – they get it done. There won't be any blue cheese, wings, or alcohol left in Buffalo if they don't handle it. Back tomorrow at 4. Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity. Uh, back with you at 4. Powered by Cornhead Lager. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.